Um, I'll do it area by area, and I suppose that the, the, the thing to say is that the approach of the project was to have a set of complementary measures that were being taken within particular geographic areas. So there were some changes being made to the highway, there were some changes being made to green space and parks along the street. There were also changes to the uh, shop front and historic buildings and the, the community projects. And what we wanted to do was try and tie those efforts together so we, that we could get change that would be uh, robust and long-lasting. Um, at this end of the street, one of the, the, the more, um, I suppose, the, the, one of the bigger changes that were made in the infrastructure took place. This is um, Braham Street, uh, which is at the, the uh, east, western end of the, the road, where, there's a, where there was a gyratory system. So this is a part of the gyratory that used to run around Whitechapel High Street and Braham Street. And this is Braham Street today, or this was Brain Street two years ago. Um, it's matured a little since then. Um, but the idea here was to um, rebalance the, 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 the street network there. Uh, so we reintroduced two-way working on Whitechapel Road um, and turned this arm of the gyratory into uh, a park. Um, there was quite a lot of debate about the park um, and then what the nature of the park should be. Interestingly, the project was funded by private sector investment. Uh, the developer, Exemplar, who were developing a site adjacent to the street, recognized that actually the letability and sellability of uh, the units that they were going to build there, the offices that they were going to let there, would be, uh, would be better if there was a park next to it rather than a noisy street. Um, and they actually put £4 million into this project that allowed for the street to be turned into a park, um, which is great, but we had a long debate with them about what the nature of the park should be. Um, Edco Design actually designed the park, but if the first iterations of this design, it was a sunken plaza that connected with uh, an underground shopping uh, row of shops. Uh, what we managed to turn it into was something that we felt was more like a local park, more inclusive and more fitting for something that was on the edge of the city where there is a, a residential population uh, much poorer than the working population that work in the city. Um, and this space now we think is more appropriate for that area. Um, these are uh, buildings just up the road from Brown Street Park, so close enough to make a difference in combination uh, with the park, if you walk up the street from uh, Braham Street, you come across this in about uh, 20 yards. Uh, and this is them after work was done um, by Julian Harrop, architects. Um, one of the things that, um, that we found uh, difficult, I think, during this project, and we've been working on since and other projects we're working on, is how to uh, marry the historic conservation of these amazing buildings with something that's um, vibrant on the high street. Um, we did actually team up, as, as the process went on, Julian Harrops were teamed up with a graphic designer, um, Objectif, to work on the shop signs so that we could make the shop signs relevant to, um, to the to mod modern day needs. Uh, obviously, it hadn't happened yet when this photo was taken.
across the road at um, Whitechapel Gallery, um, a small amount of money here uh, bought us a, a, a high level of coverage. So I suppose the reason for putting this in, I suppose, is, is just in terms of talking about the process of delivery. It's partly about making sure that you're, you're there and uh, steering change where possible through this complex um, web of, of ownership and responsibility. But it's also partly, I suppose, about capturing opportunity when it, it, it comes along. And for us, this was an opportunity to give High Street 2012 a greater profile. Um, this is a, 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 a piece of work by um, Rachel Whiteread. It got a huge amount of coverage. Um, we were able to badge it as High Street 2012 with a small amount of money. Uh, we were confident working with the Whitechapel Gallery that it was going to be high quality. So it was a, it was a relatively good, quick win for us. Um, I suppose the, 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 uh, for me the most impressive bit of the work that's been done at, um, at Oldgate uh, is the work that was done at uh, Braham Street, in the, uh, sorry, at um, Alta Valley Park, uh, which is just across the road from the Whitechapel Gallery and uh, next to the historic buildings that we just saw. Um, I suppose just to mention uh, one of the things that we uh, agreed with all the project partners at the beginning of the project to do was to procure separately uh, design commissions for each of the eight areas if that was at all possible if we had the control over the work um, and the reason for doing that is we wanted to a uh, get something that was suited to the character of the area and we felt by having different design teams focusing on particular areas we were more likely to get something like that and also by splitting them up it allowed smaller practices to be involved um, and what actually happened was that there was a mixture of some larger and smaller practices joining up um, and some smaller practices who were added onto the teams later on so the, the architectural practices who worked on High Street 2012 were um, I always get the combinations mixed up so apologies to anybody here who knows what the combinations are and I get it wrong but I think it was um, it was JMP working with Muff, Alan Baxter's with Easts, um, PRP and Adams and Sutherland, uh, ACOM. Um, I think that's. I'll, I'll add the extra numbers, extra names as we go along, if I remember them. But that gives you a flavour that there are there are a number of design teams bringing a range of expertise, so that we could get high quality, uh, good design. Uh, going back to Alta Valley Park. Um, the, the, the challenge at, at Alta Valley Park was to, uh, to try and uh, redesign the space so that it was uh, inclusive um, and that the history of the area was revealed in that redesign. It was a quite popular space, but it was popular uh, with a small uh, portion of the population, mostly young men, lots of young uh, men who attend the language schools nearby. Um, and the way that, that Muff approached that was to use the engagement process, uh, the, the consultation process around the design, to engage with the local communities that were living there, so in, to engage in the diverse culture that there is around there now, but also to reveal the, the history of the area. This uh, slide shows a, a street painting project that happened um, in the park, which involved Alpana street painting. 
the, the reason for doing that is that there's a memorial in the park, the Shihad, Shihad Menir, which is a, a memorial for language martyrs in what was East Pakistan, uh, which reflects the Bengali community that lives there, there now. So we actually worked with an art, Muff worked with an artist from uh, Bangladesh and with local people, and there's a language day on February the 19th, and they also were involved in, in that day. Um, there was also an archaeological dig organized, which literally revealed the history of the site. It was the site where the old, the original White Chapel was from White Chapel, four different churches on the site. Uh, they organized a dig with the Museum of London and with um, local school children. They uh, collected fragments from the dig, uh, and they now are, are set in the park in these stone uh, pieces. Uh, together with some uh, interpretation boards looking at the history of the area, um, the history of the churches on the site, the uh, Shihab Munir and the uh, Bangladeshi uh, connection, and also looking at uh, what happened in terms of Al-Tabali. The park is named after Al-Tabali, who was a, a, a young uh, tailor who was uh, murdered uh, in 1981, I think. Uh, so it's named after him. So these, these interpretation boards uh, were literal interpretation of the history of the site um, and Muffa's further uh, done playful things within the park uh, that also reflect on that history of, of the area. So an incredibly diverse area, an incredibly uh, complex uh, history but woven into the design uh, through a, a real um, meaningful engagement with uh, local people. And, and I think now that the, the, the park is more well used, it's better connected, um, it's actually more visible to the street. One of the, the, the uh, interventions that Muff made as well was to put this raised walkway in which actually follows the wall of the original uh, Whitechapel. Um, quickly moving along. Somebody will have to tell me if I'm getting near my time or running out of time. Five minutes. Okay, I'll try and go quite quickly then. Um, at at um, Whitechapel uh, Market, uh, we were looking at uh, how we could uh, make changes in this area, uh, largely to try and accommodate the increase in use that would come through Crossrail coming through the Royal London Hospital moving there. Um, again, in a very complex uh, environment to work in. The market's very well established. People who've had stalls for generations. Um, a lot of consultation happened. There was a, a vision for a tidied up market for new, unified, consistent stalls. Didn't quite work out like that though. Um, but actually I think this is an after picture, but I think it's a good after picture. I think actually what, what happened there, we went through a process of negotiation with all of the stakeholders, ended up with a, a plan where what we've provided in terms of the market is uh, better lighting, better drainage, 
the stall holders have access to power. We've looked at the bins and the, the market management. And those changes are the kind of changes that were needed. It didn't need beautifying. It needed to be made efficient and it made it possible for what was actually uh, is a thriving market. There's something like 120 stalls there that are occupied nearly every day. Um, so it's, it, it wasn't something where we needed to really bolster it, but we just needed it to be able to work in a changing environment. And I think that's what's been achieved. Um, and actually, although this looks like a bit of a mess, uh, there is a reason why that, that bench is there. The bench is there is to, is to actually stop the, uh, the, the, the stalls spreading into that area. It provides a social space. Uh, there was quite a big argument about whether we should have benches there. But one of the, the arguments for putting them there was that um, there is a hospital just across the road and there should be somewhere for people to sit. Um, we didn't quite expect that they would be lying down or indeed wedging themselves behind the um, arm of the chair which is designed to stop people lying on it. Um, at Whitechapel as well there was uh, a, a range of historic buildings where we um, worked with Julian Harrop to, uh, on a historic building conservation project. Um, I've put these slides here just because one of the things that was interesting when we went through the process of analysing what was there was, that the, was the incredible uh, amount of decoration that there was on the buildings historically. Uh, I think the tendency when historic shopfront conversions or historic building enhancements are done is to strip all the layers away that have built up on the buildings and leave you with something um, uh, a bit bare. And sadly, <laughs> that's a little bit where we've gone and I think that's something that we could learn in the future is how can we look at those historical precedents and make, uh, not strip away everything, you know, leave some of the stuff that, that, that has uh, accrued over time. Uh, that, is, that, that complexity again of the high street is something that makes it a great place to be in and it's a shame to strip it away even if it is to reveal some, some beautiful brickwork. I'll run through these because they, they demonstrate much the same things as I've been talking about, but again at, uh, at Mile End Waste, which is adjacent to Whitechapel Market, we looked at this area linked to the market. It's a green space with a 24-hour snack shop. It's also an area where the uh, retail is re-emerging along that bit of the street, so we wanted to try and nurture that. Um, so it was, it's really a bit of recalibration, just looking at the historic uh, highway layout and seeing how can we tweak that, how can we change it so it works a bit better for now. And, th and in this case it was about shifting the parking to the other side of the road, putting a path in along one side of that green space and providing some routes through uh, to the bus stop, again some seating um, and across the road uh, looking at the, the historic buildings. Uh, we're getting more successful as we move down the road, I think. These ones are a bit better in terms of the, the signage. I think the, the generous awnings are also something that adds a, a nice quality to the, the streetscape. Um, Ocean Green is, a bit, is an estate a bit further down the street. Uh, again, demonstrates that, that, that the quality of the street changes and uh, there are areas where uh, They've obviously been affected by when 
the prevailing orthodoxy was that actually the streets weren't a good thing. They weren't a good social space. In fact, um, they were a bad thing and that the, the residential units here uh, don't engage with the streets. They turn their backs on it or they're... they're uh, so the idea here was to look at how we could re-engage this estate with the streets. Um, this was a quite complex, again, a complex set of stakeholders. We weren't at the start of the process. We joined it partway through. There was already this sketch drawing that had been prepared by, uh, I think, Levitt Bernstein. Uh, we, they were, we, there was a development agreement that Tower Hamlets had signed with East Thames Housing Group, who in turn had employed a contractor who had a contra uh, design and build contract to carry out the works. Um, and then we came along and said, how about running a design competition? <laughs> uh, so it was very difficult then to, to negotiate our way through that, but we did. Um, uh, East Thames eventually uh, brought on board uh, PRP architects, uh, Adams and Sutherland's landscape architects worked alongside PRP, um, and we did come up with a, a strategy for re-engaging the blocks with the streets so that there was some protection for the people living in the blocks from the street, but at the same time, uh, it reconnected with the street itself. Uh, and it's not... Okay. Uh, that's the wrong title. That should be Stratford High Street. So the other, the, the other end of the street, the, 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 the other condition that um, we talked about earlier, this 21st century high street, I suppose, remains the most challenging bit and the bit that's most in flux, the bit that is, that is least complete. Um, it's interesting, actually this is still Ocean Green, isn't it? But this is maybe what we might see along Stratford High Street, if I quickly flick through there. This is um, a towpath over the uh, canal at, at Bow, um, which linked in with the strand of uh, improving the links to green infrastructure along the street. Despite the fact that it's a, it's a heavily trafficked road, very close by, there are great green spaces and incredible waterways, this one being one of them. Yes, yeah, so Stratford High Street, a different uh, set of issues. It's along the Strain Corridor, but very, very different in terms of the rate of change that's, that's happening there. Um, we, try, we, we work to introduce some uh, creative energy into the design process there. So Minx Creative worked on this uh, bridge thing and uh, Timorous Beasties on this design, which is uh, now in the DLR station. Um, but this is the most challenging area, as I say. Uh, there has been a, uh, a nod to active uses being planned as part of the uh, residential developments that have gone up, but quite a few of those not occupied. Uh, there is pressure now, which is starting to burst through in these finer grain interventions. They're trying to uh, nurture these and steer these and get better quality uh, activities happening at street level is the challenge here along Stratford High Street. Uh, very quickly, um, what kind of money's gone into High Street 2012? Uh, these are the, it's about 26 million if you look at the funding that was directly funneled through the steering group. Um, what, what isn't on there is all the other money that's been spent along that corridor at the same time, including, for example, the cycle superhighway, which would be another 10 million pounds. Doesn't include the private developments that have happened. 
I put these slides in just to say why should the GLA be interested, but I think that um, what Matthew said earlier on probably already has made that argument. But just to say, obviously, this, this bit of street is part of a, a route that runs all the way from Ilford to Uxbridge, uh, 51 kilometres, 6,500 businesses, 79,000 jobs, and it's part of that uh, amazing number of high street places that there are in London. Um, six or seven hundred, I think, depending on which way you measure it. Uh, and I suppose in part to respond to what um, Matthew said in his presentation, is this somewhere where we should be investing more? Well, we are a bit more than when we started the conversation about high streets. The Mayor, through the Outer London Fund, the Mayor's Regeneration Fund, is investing around £100 million in about uh, 28 different places. Uh, quite a bit of it on looking at how we can reinvigorate these high street places and how we can build on the durability of them. Thank you.